What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Flex Fantasy Network. Dylan here with Cameron and Ian. So today we're doing our our look back to 2021, and we're going to find our player comparisons, go back and see who is this year's Cooper Cup, who is this year's Jonathan Taylor, and so on and so forth. Real excited, guys. We've got about five days till kickoff now. Yeah, we're going to answer. This is, this is up there with the great questions of all time. What is the meaning of life? And then who is this year's Cooper Cup? So we're getting down to the things that really matter. Everything else has been a cheap imitation, just a pale rip off of the things that are important in fantasy football. This is the real question. And coming from the guy who called last year's Cooper Cup, I think this is an important, important video. Exactly. Listen I'm going to be, I actually have pen and paper ready. I don't care about my answer. I'm just, I'm just listening to the, to the guru. I consulted uh, the crystal ball. I only get to look at that once a year and I, and I, and I don't use back. it for my, and I don't use it for my personal betterment. I just use it so I can tell you who's going to be this year's Cooper Cup. <laughs> what a selfless human being. <laughs> Pure charity. Oh, listen to what he says then. And oh man, I want to try to see if I can find this one from last year. But I, we did this show last year. Cameron and I were alone on it. Um, and we had a couple good calls there. Um, I'm trying to find the actual show doc yeah, because I know we yeah, did so Cooper we talked Cup, about Cooper so, Cup was supposed to be so we this said year's who was, Stephon Diggs. Who was this year Stefan Diggs, you know, a wide receiver that was getting to play in a better situation with a better quarterback that could break out to see elite upside. And Cameron said Cooper cup. I actually, I agreed with him. That was a good one. Uh, we mentioned about Cooper cup and Robert Woods being on the Rams as possible to have that huge breakout. You know, we talked about this year's uh, Justin Jefferson was obviously Jamar chase. I think a lot of people might've thought that, but we were trying to say he had that elite upside. What other ones did we do, man? I wish I had had this show doc in front of me. I'm kind of blanking on some of the other ones. Um, I think we talked about this year's Aaron Rodgers, that being Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford, you know, the veteran quarterback getting drafted as a late QB one that could still be a top three guy. So we had a couple of hits on that show as well, but definitely, yeah, the biggest of all is the Cooper cup prediction. And first question we're going to answer here is who is this year's Cooper cup? Like you said, the age old question, it's going to make or break your fantasy seasons. Uh, but make sure to like and subscribe first. Uh, give us a follow. Check us out on Twitter, too. Link in the description. We're so close to the beginning of the season. I'm getting so pumped up. And we're going to keep releasing as many videos as possible before the start of the year. All right. Well, let's answer the question then. I'll throw it to Cameron first since, you know, he's the oracle <laughs> on this. This is his specialty. Who is this year's Cooper Cup? All right. Uh, so I almost feel like I should go last because this is a bit of a surprise. I think you should too. Um, I, I okay. think oh, you want to give it a drum roll? I'm going to interject on that. Yeah. Let's not look even at so our much. Dumb, like, not even so much that I want to like roll out the red carpet or anything, but I want to start. Like I feel like there are a few like okay, like, not not so much obvious, but like re really really good answers that like chalk. if you look at everything, yeah, like chalk answers, so, right? Well, yeah. let me take over for a sec because I'm going to give a chalk answer. He was a darling for me. I think you guys all know it's coming. But basically, our description was, you know, a, you know, someone I wrote down a perennial wide receiver two veteran who is going to explode this year into the top five. That doesn't exactly describe Cooper Cup, but a guy that's, you know, been finishing maybe between top 12 and 24 for a number of years. I uh, haven't seen that true upside ceiling, but we're going to get it this year. So my guy was Cortland Sutton. 
obviously. Uh, but I just think he fits this so well. This is why I like Cortland Sutton so much. You look back to the trends of last year, gets a Hall of Fame quarterback in there. Just, just another report this morning that Cooper Cup is hands down, far and away, the number one target in Russell Wilson's offense. Cortland Sutton. Yeah. You said Cooper Cup. Oh, I did. Cor- <laughs> yeah. Cooper Cup on the. They're line. so similar. They're so yeah, similar. I know. It's, They're really not actually. <laughs> not exactly. Ebony similar. and Ivory. Yeah. Oh but my God. I mean, <laughs> into it a million times. So literally, Ian could, Ian could give his pick because it's it's been stated over and over on the show now. Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I mean, Cortland Sutton has that meteoric uh, quarterback upgrade, which is really like you got to figure that's at least half of the puzzle. You know, you got you got to look for a guy who. You're assuming either the quarterback got better or he's going to develop talent-wise or something is going to change with the quarterback situation to unlock a level of upside previously inconceivable for that player. Um, <clears throat> I My player also got a quarterback upgrade. I went with Michael Pittman. Uh, he's pretty expensive. Uh, I think last year Cooper Cup was getting drafted in like the fourth or fifth round around that turn there. Um, Pittman is more of like a mid to late third rounder this year, but, you know, if we're talking about a guy who's never finished higher than, uh, you know, wide receiver 16 or whatever his PPR finish was last year, you're looking at a guy who's going into his third year, just went from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan towards the end of his career. You know, it's not a prime Matt Ryan, but it's definitely still what we would deem to be an upgrade as a passer of the football. So uh, I absolutely see Pittman having, you know, the upside because they do use him in all those different ways. They do move him around like a chess piece and try to get him the ball and make a conscious effort to do that. So I think Pittman could have a level of upside that we didn't even realize uh, going into the season. Yeah. I, I and most that... importantly, most importantly, uh, there was a report from earlier this offseason that Matt Ryan and uh, Michael Pittman had been meeting up. Having breakfast? To eat it breakfast, yes. Oh, yes. yes, exactly. Yes, so they are. Yes, so they do have. I didn't even realize narrative. That. They do. They do. Yeah, one hundred percent. And also, and also, Matt Ryan has averaged like one hundred and sixty targets to his uh, he, wide receiver one. He so. showers his top guy with an inordinate amount of targets. Yeah, right. Didn't I yeah, see no. something, or am I just making this up? That like. Cortland Sutton and Russell Wilson did like Bible study together. No, I searched. I don't know, but I searched for the breakfast. Bible study? You're reaching, Dylan. The Bible narrative. Bible the Bible study. narrative last year was uh, Vince <laughs> and uh, Frank Reich, and that didn't turn out well. Oh, okay. Never you mind. Think Gino, bro- you think Geno Smith goes to Bible class with Lockett? Like, no, not anymore. He lost not his anymore. Bible, buddy. They go no, to speed to, camp. There. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows that, like, the absolute strongest Bible narrative in the NFL has been Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. They've had a virginity right. pack together. Okay, maybe that's what <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, so, who's your guy? Because this is, you know, drum roll, please. Anticipation. <laughs> drum roll. Here we go. I'll do, I'll do it. It's on the desk. Um, no, yeah. So I think that Pittman and Sutton were two of the guys that uh, were sort of uh, like on the chalkier side in terms of picks. And then also, if I wanted to go that way, I would go with Allen Robinson. Uh, just to just to throw that name out there, a guy who's been elite before in his career and is getting a QB upgrade, going to the same team, ironically. Really on the um, same team as Cooper Cup, yeah. <laughs> right. So so the way that I actually ended up going for this was. A name that I haven't heard uh, that like fits the profile, I think, like to a T, uh, in terms of a guy who's shown it's like high end upside. You said high to end a upset. T? 
<laughs> to a T. <laughs> to a T is this year's Cooper Cup. <laughs> nice. You're on fire, man. You like first you had the Ebony Ivory thing. And... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So um yeah. Uh yeah. So he's shown he's shown the high end upside previously. Um, and then now he's going to a situation where he's getting a massive quarterback upgrade. I'm talking about, and he's going in, he's going a little later than Cooper cup was last year, which is like a significant difference. He's, he, uh, he goes off and drafts this year, a couple rounds later than where Cooper cup was going last year. I'm talking about Juju Smith Schuster. Oh yeah. You did it. <laughs> you Juju didn't Smith actually Schuster, baby. pull that on me. In my brain, I'm sitting there going, it sounds like he's about to talk about Juju. There's no way I you have, just called this. I have, I have also. Also, I mean, like, I don't know how likely I think it is. I, I think that the three other ones, uh, Pittman, Sutton, Robinson, are all more likely, like, just to be clear. Mm. Uh, and, they, and, they, and they do all fit the parameters that we're looking for here. But Juju is an interesting one that goes a little bit later, that has shown that high-end upside, that is getting the quarterback upgrade, that fits the parameters, and an interesting, <laughs> completely uh, meaningless little uh, point here is that he also has the possibility to, to do the rookie of the year thing after an ACL tear. Cooper Cup had an ACL tear, and just like rookie of the year, came back faster, stronger, better. Juju Smith-Schuster could do that too. They could rebuild him. He could be the $1 million man. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think um, Cooper Cup was, what, two years removed? But no, Juju was actually going to be an honorable mention for me just because he fits that profile so well. Yeah. I don't know if I – I don't think it's as likely, like you just said, as Cortland Sutton, but – it's in the range of outcomes, and if it will, you know, he'll have followed the same path as as uh, Cooper Cup, at least. Yeah, so, yeah, like, just to go a little bit deeper into it, 17 points per game in 2019 from Cup, and then 18.4 from uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in 2018. So they both showed the high-end upside. A second component of this is that it has to be a situation uh, where – you can you can you can grow in terms of like your target share. So Cup went from a career average of about twenty one and a half to thirty one point seven percent in a year, right? Juju Smith Schuster is going from a career average to about nineteen percent and stepping into a role that we all think is kind of wide open. Like there's speculation in every in every direction. You ask you ask one guy, they say it's going to be Marquez Valdez Scantling. You ask another guy, they say it's going to be Sky Moore, so on. So it's an ambiguous situation that he can. I think it's 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 in the range that he grows from that career average of 19 or so to 26. You know, he could just take over. Like I do think that it's in the range of outcomes. I don't think it's as likely as the other guys, but I think he's an interesting pick. Yeah, I'm not as in personally, but I do believe it's possible when you're with Mahomes there. I mean, he can elevate probably anybody in the league. Um, so let's go on to the next one. We've got a lot of these. So moving on from a guy we just mentioned want to find this year's Allen Robinson, a negative one. So a wide receiver that's going early or mid rounds that could just be a total bust for fantasy. And I, I went with another probably chalkier pick here because I don't know if I could find someone that I'm predicting to just fall flat on their face. You know, that's not very likely when you're talking about early round wide receivers, but I think DK Metcalf fits that profile, a veteran guy who's been good for years, years and years now, but just awful quarterback play, awful uh, offense around him, which is what Allen Robinson had to deal with. Uh, and there's just a world where it can be so bad. And you almost don't, don't even want to start DK Metcalf for fantasy. I mean, there was a stretch last year when he had to play uh, with Russell Wilson through the injury or when he was missing. And, you know, there's a stretch of like seven or eight games where people are tearing their hair out. Like what the heck do we even do with DK Metcalf? And I feel like, 
that could absolutely happen this year, as great as he is as a player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that he's a good pick. I'm not – where – what's his ADP at right now? I, I thought that he was going a little later. Like, I just got him in round five or six, like at the five-six turn in a in a 12-team uh, league. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, guys in top five rounds. 45 or... overall, according to – yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I think that he's a good pick in terms of a, in terms of a, uh, a guy that's, that we've seen put up wide receiver one uh, play um, that could end up busting because of the situation for sure. He's in the, I think he's in the wide receiver dead zone. I don't think we really talk about it, but there's like this tiny little mini pocket dead zone of wide receivers there that for redraft purposes, they're just a little bit like, a little bit too risky for what you're paying. The guys right. like Metcalf, yeah. McLaurin, Waddle, um, Waddle. Yeah, those guys. I thought uh, about they, all those guys for this one, and it's ironic too because like it's the complete opposite of terms of what happens there. So like with the running back dead zone, it's guys that aren't that. It's typically guys that aren't talented but are going to get a lot of volume. And right. then with this like little running back zone, it's guys that are super talented but are in but are in bad situations. So like you can't let them fall too much, but they have to go below yeah, it's, the guys that have talent plus yeah. situation. <laughs> only going there out of respect, it seems. So wh- which guys did you go with here? Uh, I went with, so I, I went and looked at where Allen Robinson was being drafted last year and he was drafted as wide receiver. Uh, let's see, what do I have? He's he was like drafted as a top 12 guy. Um, yeah. So, so, so I wanted to limit my pick to a uh, top 12 uh, wide receiver. Otherwise, I might have gone DK Metcalf. So I went with A.J. Brown. Um, and this is, you know, like nothing to do nothing to do with the talent of the player. Obviously, he's incredibly talented. But um, if you look at last year, uh, the Eagles passed it 28 times a game, which is a uh, very, very low volume. It was like uh, around league worst. Uh, and that's including – the first sort of five or six games of the season where they were passing with like a very high volume. And then we talked about this many, many times uh, after week six, they really started ratcheting it back. Uh, week eight, they passed it 14 times, week nine, 17 times, week 10, 23, week 11, 24. So if you just look at like how hard they shifted gears uh, down the like back two thirds of the season, really, um, I, it's not unreasonable to project a floor of like 24 pass attempts a game or something like that. Like just like they could just try to replicate what they did last year. They have maybe the league's best offensive line, one of the league's best defenses, um, uh, a capable stable of running backs, enough explosion to come up with a few big plays each game. Uh, and then they just kind of grind out wins that way. I tend to think that it's going to be a little bit of a higher projection uh, not quite what they did over the over the back half of last year, but it could very well happen. Uh, and then you have it that AJ Brown just isn't getting enough volume to return on wide uh, on a top twelve wide receiver uh, uh, ADP. Um, it's enough of a risk that I I I haven't been drafting him there at all. Like I've no. I've I don't think I've ever clicked the button on AJ Brown this year. Neither have I. Uh, Me that's neither. Perfect, for sure. How about you? I, I, I agree to the point where AJ Brown was the guy that I nominated forward. Um, so, nice. you know, maybe if I could, if, if I could come up with an honorable mention, you know, off the, off the rip, um, it would probably be Debo. Um, mm-hmm. But it yeah. would be, but it would be a Debo's purely, a good one. but it would be a purely, um, 
it would be a purely like a injury and efficiency more 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 so based argument which are both very different difficult uh arguments to make particularly the injury one yeah the debo's uh, a good one i think that i think that had i not had i not because like, i mean literally i just saw that it was like such a good coincidence that Allen Robinson and AJ Brown were being drafted at exactly the same overall uh, positional uh, right. like draft spot uh, this year. That it was just too good to pass up. But had yeah. I, but had I not seen that, uh, like Debo, that might have been my answer too, because of the uncertainty around Trey Lance and because of right. how over expectation he was last year. I, I, that's a good one. We talked about possibly a floor outcome for Debo. I just don't. I don't think he could fall too flat on his face. Yeah, I don't think he's going to totally bust. No, I think that, I think Brown. I think Brown has a much lower floor well, I outcome. I don't really think any of these guys will bust in the way Allen Robinson did. I mean, Allen Robinson was an absolute train wreck last year. Right, you had to drop him. Like you didn't even get one usable game out of him. But yeah, basically, yeah. That being said, yeah, there was. Like there was more than just uh, like stats going on with Allen Robinson. Like Allen Robinson, you were dropping your third round pick in like week five. Yeah, yeah like part rough. of the reason why Allen Robinson busted is because he just, I mean, and I like really do believe this is that he just did not want to be on the field. Out. Like I, th- I think that his head was entirely out of the game. I mean, he had requested a trade. I think he wanted out of there. Two years in a row, he did. Yeah, <laughs> and they franchised him two years in a row. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to. <laughs> A positive one, though, this year is Elijah Mitchell. So looking for specifically a rookie running back going in the double-digit rounds who had the best chance to finish as a top 15 guy. I think Mitchell was 13 overall in points per game last year. Um, So there's a couple guys you could go to. Uh, Who'd you put for this, Ian? Uh, So (laughs) it felt kind of funny to do it, but I did actually go with Tyrion Davis-Price here. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a uh, as a super super late round dart throw uh, in redraft, um, uh, got drafted in the third round to the same team. He's on. He's in San Francisco. Uh, but in my the way that I look at it, I do see a couple of potential outs where this becomes you know uh, a possibility. Uh, Mitchell hasn't been like a beacon of health in this first, you know, year in the league. Plus he's, he was already nursing a hamstring injury in this off season, you know, so he's proven to have, you know, uh, have a little bit of injury flags. Um, then there's the whole Shanahan rushing, leading the team in rushing narrative, which, which I always get a kick out of with the whole, uh, you know, the San Francisco never has the same leading rusher two years in a row dating back, like, 12 years or something to, you know, Carlos Hyde or Frank Gore, whatever it is. Uh, So this is a team that's known for a lot of turnover at the position statistically. uh, And they didn't invest much draft capital, a six round pick into Mitchell. Uh, They put a third into Tyrion Davis price. And honestly, I think that the fantasy community just kind of has a blind spot to it because with a, with a system this proven, and uh, draft capital telling the story, you know, a third round running back being drafted with an inherent with like a incumbent six rounder uh, holding the reins. And this isn't like a Chris Carson late rounder who's like, you know, tenured with respect. Like this is a this is a guy's a rookie, you know, so six round rookie. They draft a third round running back to go with him in the backfield. This feels like a blind spot to me a little bit. Yeah. So if I had to put a super late round guy with that upside, I think it'd be him. So I initially wrote down Rashad White, but at this point he's going in like the 11th round or sometimes higher. So I don't know if it qualifies. Like I've with the Mitchell category, I want to try to find a guy who's literally like maybe a late round pick 
and someone who's basically undrafted for fantasy purposes, or you could throw them at, on your bench in the last two rounds or so. So I right. do think I wrote down Tyrion Davis price as well. I think he makes a lot of sense. And if it's going to come from any team, it's probably going to come from a Shanahan backfield again. They just uh, cut Trey Sermon. So the guy that was getting hype over training camp, Trey Sermon. So now it seems like Davis price is easily the number two there, at least in some kind of timeshare with Jeff Wilson. But I think it would have to take an injury to Mitchell, but if it does, he steps right in and probably with any of these, you might have to see an injury. Like if Rashad White's going to do it, that's going to mean Leonard Fournette goes down as well. I threw out one mm-hmm. other name because I think maybe the only other guy that I could see it happening for if fits Mitchell's criteria a little more would be Isaiah Pacheco. Cause he was a seventh rounder, you know, no, on no one's radar before the draft, but he's got the traits. He's got the speed that Elijah Mitchell had. And in this case, there's more of a question mark ahead of him because we still don't know if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is necessarily any good or not at all. So, I mean, he oh, can, we know, yeah, we know he's bad. <laughs> I think we know just, they're just going to give it to him anyway. But I do think D- Tyrion Davis price maybe fits that the best just because, you know, he went in the third round, but he wasn't expected to be a third rounder, you know, so he's not on a lot of people's radars in redraft leagues, but I feel like there is a, a home run shot with Tyrion Davis price, just because we've seen such a revolving door of running backs there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, 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 Pacheco was my, was my first thought as well. Uh, yeah. he's a guy who was drafted later, um, has like, you know, one of the most explosive guys in the draft. I think he ran the fastest in terms of running backs, which I believe Mitchell did, uh, when he came out too. Um, and then he was drafted to an offense that historically has been very productive for the running back, uh, uh, spot. And there isn't, it's kind of like, you know, it's a sort of a semi-ambiguous situation. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit higher on CEH than you guys. I tend to think that he's going to be able to hold that position down like we've seen throughout the preseason. But, um, but then I also was thinking that, uh, yeah, like, so Elijah Mitchell was, was like not even close to being a late round guy last year. Like he was absolutely like undrafted. Undrafted, he was, yeah. He was uh, running back 77 in terms of um, uh, ADP at this, at this time uh, uh, last year. And I was thinking about like, not exactly rookies, but like maybe like I, I tried to get a little bit uh, creative to bring up maybe a guy that we haven't seen do anything yet that is also going, that is also not being drafted that could step forward and uh, surprise a little bit. And, and, and I came up with a, you know, Benjamin yeah. who, 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 who okay. has, That's a real who good has, one. yeah, who has been named uh, as a, just a, like the last week, I think, or so like this report came out, like he's, he's been named number as like two. the, yeah, like the number two running back in Arizona. Oh, and like specifically talked about in terms of like passing game work, which if you look at what he did in college, like I was surprised that he fell to the seventh round when he did a couple years back, but like, uh, uh, cause he was very productive in college tested as like a decent athlete, you know, like has a little bit of burst, but had back-to-back years in 2018 and 2019 of 35 or more catches. Uh, and I think had a 15 plus percent target share in college so like we know that he can definitely catch the football which is where fantasy points come from at the running back spot um yeah so he he was kind of my deep deep pick i didn't think of him because i was looking at rookies only but that's a good one i actually 
I've been following him a little bit because I stashed him in a couple leagues, dynasty leagues. And uh, they said very early on that he was the clear number two. And um, Kingsbury has been like really happy with him. He's been one of the guys the team has praised the most all offseason. I didn't know if it would hold, but we did get confirmation that he's the number two there ahead of Daryl Williams and that Daryl Williams was a cut candidate, although he ended up staying there. So I think he's, you know, in the backfield there with a guy, James Conner, I would say is probably a higher risk than other running backs to, you know, for injury or possibly, you know, replacement. I don't think he's going to beat Conner out entirely, but I think Conner's more of a high risk guy for some of one of the earlier running backs. I could definitely see Benjamin getting in and getting a shot at some point this year and he'll catch passes. And, you know, we saw him last year in the field. Actually, it looked pretty good. I don't know if you guys remember him truck. He he like had a crazy truck uh, on a 49er defender on that touchdown run. He he barely touched the ball, but when he did, he actually. Oh yeah. uh, Right. Some good highlights on him actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think he he's definitely under the radar as in he's not being drafted in redrafts but I think you should be considering him and someone to keep an eye out on. Yeah. Like watch, he's a guy that like, Oh, I would, I would maybe not draft. Like I just took him with, with my, I think like 15th round pick in uh, like one of my redraft leagues, but um, good call. Yeah. Uh, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to be doing, I think in like most spots would be like, watch what he does week one. And then he could be like a low key waiver guy. And like, you, if who he, knows? like if it looks like he has a role, right? Like if it looks like Connor is not just going to come out there and get like 80% of the opportunity, it looks like more like a 60, 40 split or something that I would yeah. be very interested. Maybe he has close to the chase Edmund Edmonds role from last year. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, exactly. And chase Edmonds is a guy that was catching like, you know, fit, like, you know, what was he at? Like 55? Caught like 55 passes catches. in 12 games. Yeah. Yeah. Or 20, right. 55 receptor uh, targets, I think. Yeah. Right. So, all right, so the next category here is this year's Leonard Fournette or James Conner because I think they should be in the same category. Basically, vetting veteran running backs we didn't expect much from um, going into mid to late rounds that are going to have a significant resurgence or impact for fantasy and will surprise some people. Um, this, this one was tougher because I don't know if there's any guys that greatly fit the criteria. I think there's two or three that come to mind, but I just wanted to go with another guy that I don't know if he fits the exact mold of Fournette and Connor perfectly, but Rashad Penny is the guy, the veteran running back, I think going in that range, eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth rounds, uh, where those two went last year, that I could actually see doing something. And he, we've just never seen a great season from him because he's been hurt, but we've seen great stretches. Like when he has been on the field, he's actually been right. great. It's just been very few and far between. So I think for that reason, he's close enough. And Kenneth Walker is already going to miss week one. And who knows how much time, you know, that coming off the hernia surgery. So I think that solidifies the fact that Penny is going to get like 20 touches a game uh, for at least to start the season. And if he's just anything close to what he was last year, like that's a great running back right there. I mean, I don't even need to see a lot of targets or pass catching game work from him if he's going to get 20 carries and run even close to as efficiently as he did last year. So I know you guys are much lower, but I'm still pretty interested in Penny and he's someone I'll I'll definitely take in the eighth round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes. I'm very, very low on uh, Penny. Like we do. 
I mean, and I do think this is an interesting pick like for this exercise and a guy that like I should have considered, but just didn't. And I think it's because of how low I am on him. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, like in, in, to me, this was a thing of like, okay, who is a veteran running back who we have seen be elite before because Fournette and Connor both were. Um, and then we've seen him could, be elite at very could, small stretches. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like could, could, could stand to um, could stand to see more work, right? And it's a very it's and that like there's really no answer to it this year. Like there, I mean, like there really a isn't answer, a guy yeah. because like I don't think that like like you could have reasonably said that like you weren't surprised by Fournette or by Connor last year. Like I like was surprised by Connor. Fournette was almost a my guy for me last year. Like he was a my guy finalist. Like I thought that he was going to come in like and take over. And I just don't think that we have guys like that so uh in the absence of any like really perfectly good picks yeah i think that i think that uh penny is an interesting fit it it is important to note though that like a major part of why fournette was as good as he is because he's attached to a top five offense and because he catches a ton of passes and neither neither of those are going to be there for penny like he's going to have to be barry sanders efficient to even challenge for like top 15 upside um yeah you know, that may happen. Basically like what, he's, on, what he's done throughout his career when he's out. On yeah. The we've seen him on a very small sample do it. Uh, so it could happen, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bet on it, but for the purposes of this exercise, a really good pick. Okay. So where did you go then? Uh, I went, so, so I, I thought that like the way that the question was worded um, sort of was like begging you to pick like Melvin Gordon. <laughs> like, that was one uh, I thought about, but I just, couldn't see him really breaking out without a Javante injury, I guess. It's, yeah. Like that's what it'll take. Like, like, so if like people talk, you know, people will draft a, like Javante Williams in a, in a second or third round and say like, you know, he's got good upside on his own, but then what if Gordon gets injured? You know what I mean? And I think that there's this, that there's this tendency to whenever you have like this uh, like committee situation going on to want to only imagine uh, the injury benefiting the guy that who you prefer, the sexy guy, the right, sexy right, guy. right. Yeah. Exactly. That guy could get hurt too. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like, but yeah, but sexiness, sexiness doesn't prevent you from tearing an ACL, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If uh, sexiness was a prophylactic against injury, then Michael Thomas would never get injured. So like, Barkley Squim- would have been an Iron Man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Like handsome Squidward would be out there nonstop. <laughs> 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 um, so. Um, Anyway, I didn't want to go Melvin Gordon because it because it just seemed like the question was because I have like oppositional uh, like defiant uh, disorder and it seemed like the question was begging me to, <laughs> <laughs> to go in like that direction. Fight the man, Cameron. Fight the man. <laughs> so instead, I went with the super super deep, but another guy that's probably undrafted. It's Amir Abdullah. Oh, um, Ooh, yeah. In terms of a veteran running back, again, who hasn't ever been good. He was expected to be good. I think what was he like a. What was his draft cap? I forget I exactly, I feel, I feel but like he, he went was, fairly he was high. earlier than you think he would have been. Yeah. yeah, let me just I can pull that up in a second here. Yeah, he was a second round pick. Yes, yeah, so that's what I thought. Yes, yeah, so he was a second round pick back in the day. Uh, he definitely had some expectation at one point or another. He's, I think, he's one of the um, the trail of bodies that the the, uh, the Detroit Lions left in their wake while they were looking for uh, their next uh, like Barry Sanders over the years. Um, but if you look. At what he did last year, he was uh, from weeks 
eight through 18, when he started getting in games for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he had, he had five targets a week and he had two top 12 running back weeks off the strength for of the those Panthers, targets. Yeah. Panthers, Panthers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wrong cat. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was, and that was good enough for top five in targets to the running back position uh, over those weeks and an average of 10 points per game, which, which works out to about a flex option, but a flex option, like I said, with two running back 12 weeks during that, uh, 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 during that time. Then you have a situation that he's in in Las Vegas where Derek Carr, since 2019, has checked down at the third highest rate in the NFL. So he's a, so he's a running back that commanded a lot of targets and did well on those targets last year in a situation with a quarterback that checks down more than just about anyone in the NFL and in a situation that has been reported for months and months is going to be a uh, committee that's going to be a three-way committee that I believe will be a three-way committee head coached by a guy who has a long history of running a committee. So um, I think in terms of a guy that could like surprise, which was the sort of tail end of this question, like who's going to like shock you uh, that he could be a decent uh, candidate. Yeah. I think with Abdullah, I just think, He's so bad that like he's been so inefficient in the NFL that even if he were to get the targets, I don't know if I could see it paying off for fantasy. Like even last year with the Panthers, he had that like seven, eight week stretch and they only had like two usable games there. But yeah, I he was efficient criteria. He was him. efficient on the receiving work that he got last year. Like I was looking at I had I had uh, Dylan look up like the PFF stuff for me. For the, uh, from from that from that little sample, and he was deficient on the receiving work that he got. He was more crucially, he was more efficient than Josh Jacobs, which is which I think I think really like the key to this is that I don't believe that they're just gonna that they're just gonna keep checking out checking down to Jacobs and watch him get four yards or whatever. Uh, I think that they are going to look for a guy at least that can give them a little more juice here mm. and there. Uh, and I think, and I think on the ground, that's going to be a, a Zamir White. They're going to count on his four four speed, and to the air, I think it's going to be Amir Abdullah. Yeah, Ooh. where'd you go, Ian? Uh, I'm I don't have oppositional defiant disorder or whatever the <laughs> heck you call it. Um, so I took the guy that they were asking for. I said Melvin Gordon. Um, so I mean, you already outlined all the arguments for him. Basically, you know, the offense is supposed to take a big step forward. The vice versa handcuff is a thing. He's more of a 1B than a, than a backup. Um, you know, he, we're expecting him to get like 40% of the kick touches. So uh, if the offense takes a step forward, uh, if uh, Javante misses any time, uh, and he's also done it before. He's been good in the past. We've seen him be, be quite good. And he was serviceable last year, too. It's not like we, you know, he completely fell off a cliff and we're just hoping for this random resurgence. So, yeah. right. I took, I took the, I took the chalk. Well, he fits the criteria. Uh, and I think the one other that camera threw out there before, Kareem Hunt would fit it as well because I thought about that he Kareem. was bad last year, but he got hurt and people aren't expecting it from him this year. And he's going in the range that Connor and Fournette were going last year. Um, I don't mm -hmm. know if I even expect it either because with Jacoby Brissett running the offense, I'm not sure I can really see two running backs sustaining all the success they've had over the past couple of years, but he, he's always done it. Like Kareem Hunt has always been good when he's out on the field. So he could make sense as well. Uh, and, and a couple more I thought of, like just before we move on, that fit would be uh, like Raheem Mostert and uh, 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 Mark Ingram 
as well. Like wow. two guys that have like two guys that have done it in the past. Uh, that's a good one. I didn't even think about him for some reason. Right. Two guys that, that we've seen do it in the past that do have some, it's like you squint your eyes really hard, do have some <laughs> sort of path to like relevancy. I, I definitely, I definitely can see it for most dirt actually. And uh, what was the other guy you said, uh, Mark Ingram? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he'll get enough work. Well, he will be relevant. And if Kamara does end up going down or getting that suspension, then he's going to be someone you definitely want to plug in just on the volume alone. Um, but so next one is this year's Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin. Basically the criteria for that is a running back that's going too early in drafts only because people expect him to lead their team in touches and, you know, be a somewhat of a workhorse running back, but they will still be bad anyway, basically. And every year I feel like there's a couple guys that fit this mold. They might be going in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, uh, but will still be too high. They might be a bad player, someone we've just seen be bad in, in the NFL in a bad situation, but people will say, oh, but he's the number one. So I, I need a number one running back. I'll take him over a number two that's much better. And there's three names I thought about for this one. I think I might share this one with Cameron, but the first one I, I got to mention here is Damian Pierce. Uh, because I'm not buying the hype and he's now moved up so high. He's going higher than Mike Davis was last year. He just went in the fourth round in our last redraft draft the other night. And I haven't seen him fall any, any lower than like the fifth, sixth round since the Marlon Mack cut happened. And I think, did you write the same name, Cameron? You said you did Pierce as well. Yeah. The Pierce to me is like the slam dunk here. Uh, yeah. I can go into it if you want me to. Yeah. Go into it briefly. Oh, okay. 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 So Pierce was your guy too. So I, I had, I had written, I had also written Clyde Edwards Hilaire because okay. he's still getting drafted up there because people think he's number one. And I still think he could lose that job so easily. So I was kind of torn between the two, but I did throw out Pierce there uh, later on. Cause I think he might fit the criteria better because he's shooting up draft boards just like Mike Davis was last year. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I can just go into it a little bit. It's a, I think it's a fairly uh, like natural case to make. Um, like you said, it's really hard to like look at like ADP on him because even like as we speak, he's like like just rose by like five percent. I feel like like yeah. it's like every single day. I think he goes higher and higher. So I mean, what I'm looking at here says running back twenty seven. Uh, Going higher like, than that though. Yeah, which is like just behind uh, AJ Dillon. It CDA, hasn't caught up Antonio to him Gibson. Yet. He's like four spots behind just in terms of overall running back ADP of uh, like Brees Hall, which is like just really is a good demonstration of how brutal like the running back dead zone is. Like it's it's like you have a major fall off. And to me, he's just like the classic dead zone profile, a guy that's on a horrible offense that is projected to get a ton of touches uh, that people start to panic. They don't have a running back yet. And they and they reach on these guys and they pass up like elite uh, who is the next Cooper Cup uh, level uh, wide receiver uh, the profile? It's a draft guy like Damian Pierce, who um, for me, when I did, um, yeah, so I did my uh, running back uh, prospecting uh, months and months ago that we talked about these running back prospects and wide receiver prospects for this year. And my prospect model initially had him ranked. I, I graded, let's see, one, two, three, I graded 
13 running back prospects this year, and he was the 11th. Uh, he only he finished higher than Kyron Williams and uh, Jerome Ford. Um, so, like, very, very, very bad grade. Uh, I ended up with him as my 25th overall player, and that was and that was boosted kind of like arbitrarily because of where he landed, but because of exactly this uh, like potential uh, outcome. Um, so, not a good player in college at all. Uh, fourth round profile. I did a I did a quick look at fourth round running back since the year 2000 uh, to finish as at least a top 24 running back in their rookie year, and we had 81 uh, running backs that fit the criteria. So 80 round 81 fourth round running backs since 2000, and one of them since 2000 has finished as even a top 24 running back. One out of 81. So uh, it just doesn't ever happen. Uh, that's enough to say zero percent. For me, basically, I'm with you on that one too. Uh, yeah. How about you, Ian? I'm curious to see what you had. One last thing. One last thing. One last thing. Like I know that like you're trying to play me off here, but like one last thing. Uh, <laughs> we gotta go quick. Just in, yeah, right, like, just in terms of the Houston offense, they had five rushes at the goal line last year. Five rushes. So he's not gonna get the touchdown upside. Yeah. No, th- their running back position has been the least valuable running back position in the NFL in years now. Right. Um, for me, I, <clears throat> uh, I actually think Pierce is a decent pick in redraft. Um, for me, this pick based off of just the concept of volume, uh, there was a few guys, you know, I'm mostly looking like right in the running back dead zone at this. Um, and obviously all those same names, you know, your Jacobs, your Gibson, your Montgomery, maybe even. Um, and you're Elijah Mitchell. And I actually went with Elijah Mitchell here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for, it's a pretty similar argument, so I don't have to go too far into it because I already outlined why I think there's plenty of outs for Tyrion Davis-Price. Uh, I think Elijah Mitchell has uh, more than a couple of outs where he doesn't deliver value via injury, via general replacement, you know, being outplayed, or, you know, maybe they're just, go with a more even split, you know, you never really know, but Elijah Mitchell, one thing can be said, uh, it doesn't feel like Elijah Mitchell, like his frame is designed to be taking 30 carries a game. Elijah Mitchell doesn't look like Derrick Henry. Uh, He was, he was like leading the league in, in rushes per game, like outside of Derrick Henry last year, like he was getting an exorbitant amount of of work and even with all of that work you know with the injuries obviously put in there he didn't he wasn't even like a world beater like he was like a top 20 guy so uh, I think that he's a perfect like there's just way too many ways that that could crack wrong that's that he's off of my board absolutely everywhere yeah like the Elijah Mitchell thing to me it's almost like a riddle you know I mean like as you look at like you look at all of his metrics like how did this dude finish so well because like he was not getting red zone touches. Like he was 40, 41st in the NFL in terms of red zone touches. He was, 60, he was 63rd in the NFL in terms of targets. He wasn't super efficient. Like, like that was my first thought. Like, okay, he was just like breaking tackles and breaking like long runs over and over again. He wasn't really. Uh, but then you look at his opportunity share. Like you look at his opportunity share, 81%, third in the NFL. It's just like, that's like, that's like CMC, like Najee Harris level like jt level work like bro 
there's no way that that's happening for him. It was again. a crazy amount of work. That's what I was saying. He was on pace for like 330 carries last year, which would have there's, been like top three. I don't think no that's going to happen, but I think no with way. him, I, I think that's a good pick for this one. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Same. Yeah, but I still feel like if he does stay healthy, he'll probably be good and return value there just because I think the 49ers scheme is, is so, you know, positive for running backs and that he fits it really well. The team likes him. So I don't think he loses the job outright, but I do question whether he can stay healthy or not. Definitely. Yeah. I think that like the, uh, the I mean, like a good over under for me on like his like total opportunity share would be like 60%, like to fall mm -hmm. like 20%, something like that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It will definitely be down from last year. No doubt. Uh, okay. We got a bunch. So we'll try to go through these much quicker, but this year's Dalton Schultz. I'm looking at a late round tight end that can finish inside the top five. And to get one of these guys is enormously valuable for fantasy. It means you don't have to spend an early pick on, on a tight end. And maybe there's only one a year that can do this. Sometimes not even, sometimes there's not even one guy that does this, you know, a tight end that can shoot up into the elite category. But I put down David Njoku. I think there's a maybe three or four names you could go for this one. But Njoku just got the money. The team seems to be like really invested in him. I think there's a world where he's the number two target on the team, at least. You know, I think he could potentially see 100 targets. And he's still young enough that we might have not really seen the breakout for him yet. Like we've seen flashes before. He had a great second year in the league and then it's kind of petered off. But the team seems to be, seems to really believe in the guy. Uh, so I just think they might build a really strong role for him this year. It's not great with Jacoby Brissett, but Brissett has actually targeted the tight ends a lot. I don't have the numbers pulled up, but that was something I wanted to double check on. Seems that he likes to use the middle of the field because he's not throwing it on the outside deep downfield much at all. So I think Njoku is when I'm punting tight end, he's the guy I seem to go to most often, pretty much him and Evan Ingram. Uh, that was the other guy I considered. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, when I looked at uh, Schultz's uh, ADP from last year, like he was another guy that was absolutely never getting drafted. He was tied in 32. So, so I had to sort of limit this to a guy that's not, not ever getting drafted. And the first, the first uh, idea that I had was uh, like Robert Tanyan, but then I was surprised to go and look at his ADP and see that he actually is getting drafted in some cases. He's uh, some cases. Yeah, like tight end, tight end uh, 18. He's actually just behind Njoku, but ahead of guys like Alberto, Evan Ingram. Uh, so I imagine there are some cases where he is getting drafted, so I had to go a little lower. And I went all the way down at, what, at tight end 31. He is actually the lowest uh, tight end with an ADP in the Fantasy Pros database this year. It's Brevin Jordan. Uh, <laughs> uh, a good the, one. The Houston Texans. Yeah, yeah. So um, – this is this is so like I looked at what he did last year. He only started playing in a uh, week eight last year. I don't, I don't know if it was healthy scratch situation or injury, but um, uh, so he only started playing in week eight last year. And his first week in the lineup, he was a top five tight end. Over that ten week period, he was a tight end one four times. When he was in the game, uh, they used him pretty much exclusively as a route running tight end. His target rate was thirty one or uh, twenty three point one. So. When he was on the field, he was not in blocking. He was a guy that they were using exclusively as a pass catcher. Uh, and when they ran routes for him, they targeted him. And like I said, he was a tight end one four times over over a uh, uh, 10-week period. Which, which you basically look at what means it, he scored like nine points for fantasy. But right, right, right. right. Yeah. Then 
I mean, he's getting drafted tight in 31, you know? Yeah, yeah. Then you look at then you look at his preseason usage. That's exactly how they've been using him in the preseason, except for amplified. He's not just a guy that's in on a few packages running routes. He's in all the time running routes all the time. So if he runs substantially more routes and his target rate continues at 23.1, that just ends up in a 23.1 target share, you know, which I don't think will happen, but I think that he's a candidate, a, a surprise candidate on a team that is like bereft of passing game options. They have Brandon cooks and it's wide open after that uh, to see, to be one of these guys that what we talk about, we want the second option in the passing attack at tight end. He has, I think just as good a shot as a guy like Cole Komet, who's on a horrible offense, who's getting a lot of gas because of that reason. I think that Brevin Jordan is like a arbitrage Cole Komet. You can just literally not draft the tight end and just pick him up like before week one. Yeah. What's uh, up with that, Ian? Cole Komet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm real good at this. I got to tell you what. That's a popular one, but I think it makes a lot of sense, yeah. I mean, double-digit rounds, which was the parameters we were looking for. Um second option in his offense uh you can get him after a lot of the other quote-unquote punt tight ends um he's basically like the top guy after like you know your Ertzes and your Knoxes and stuff like that he's kind of like the next next up but you can get him for really cheap 10th 11th round build out your entire roster and then tag him on at the end you don't have to hold on to him for too long because you know you only spent an 11th round around him but He's a second-year player who actually had a respectable target share as a rookie, and like Cameron said, he's has a. Uh, I think he's the he's the betting he's favorite the locked to be in. the. Yeah. He's a locked-in number two option on his offense, which you will always take a, for a tight end, even if it's you know perceived to be not a very good offense. Yeah, and yeah, like to be fair, I I'm I'm like not better than anyone else here. Like Colquitt <laughs> is like undoubtedly my uh, like punt. <laughs> tight end target number one for sure no it makes a lot of sense yeah so uh, how about this year's jonathan taylor so looking at a guy probably taken in the first or second round but we're just predicting who's going to finish as the number one overall running back here um and typically it is someone that's taken in the top two rounds or so uh but i think it's going to be saquon barkley actually that's who i put down for this one i think he's going to see such incredible volume here i think the team is at least a little bit better, and they're just going to run him to the ground. He's going to get the targets, and I, I think he's going to be a major value. And if you get the number one overall running back in the second round, that's a league winner right there. Even though you're drafting him early, that's an enormous value. I think he's someone that could still – I think he still has the potential upside that he showed as a rookie and a sophomore in the NFL. Yeah, this was one um, that, like, my first thought was, like, well, I could just pick any of these guys, you know, and then I thought, like, maybe I'll just pick CMC. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, really, really just, like, going on a limb. No, but then, I, but then I started looking specifically at round two guys, even though JT was around one guy last year. So uh, I went with who I believe has just as strong a profile as oh, here anyone we go. else. Yeah, I mean, like, you already know who it's going to be. Yeah like someone who who i believe has just as strong a profile as any of the as any of this tier two running backs who i've said many times i think this year is a very long flat tier two 
at the running back position. And I, and I believe that the last guy in terms of ADP in that tier is Leonard Fournette. So um, if you look at uh, what he did last year, was third in the NFL in targets, 84 targets as a running back. That's not going to go anywhere. Like, I don't think so. Like, I was in – I mean, I'm in on uh, like Rashad White as a – as a prospect, it seems like he's coming along very slowly. Like it seems like right now he's sort of buried in the depth chart. He could emerge as the year goes on, but this isn't the first time that we've seen it out of Fournette throughout his career. He's been a target earner. He he's been an elite target earner for year after year after year after year. And he's in so a, you so you see RB one overall upside with him? Definitely. I mean, I mean, he was RB three just last year in terms mm-hmm. of a point per game. Um, yeah. It's not. It's it's not that big of a step up. Um, sure, we'd have to see a hundred targets, but it's possible. Well, or or uh, like more to my second point. Yeah, he could. I mean, he could get there with uh, like more touchdowns as well. Like, and he's in a top five offense that he was he was third in the NFL in terms of red zone touches. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I mean, even if White does emerge as a uh, pass catcher. I don't think he's going to, they're not going to pull the 230 pound behemoth they have, uh, you know, off the offense on a like, goal line opportunity. So um, I think he could, he could, he could see one of these years where he just gets 16 touchdowns. Like he fall, like he falls in from the, from the two yard line 13 times and then catches three more passes, catches 70 yards, 16 touchdowns. That's an RB one overall type of season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, for me, I'm going with uh, a guy who ordinarily probably wouldn't qualify for this uh, list because of where he typically goes. But due to the legal issue that never actually turned into a legal issue, some people did get him in the second round. Uh, Alvin Kamara absolutely fits this bill. This is a guy who's been, you know, top six, top eight every single year. He's locked in for one of the nicest volumes of running backs. He's been relatively healthy for the position. Uh, and you're looking at a potential upgrade at, at, as an offense, as a unit, with everybody taking a step forward. So um, I like Alvin Kamara. If you were one of the people who, you know, got him in the mid to mid, you know, at the top to the middle of the second round, I mean, that's a potentially top six overall pick that you just got almost a full round later, which at that point of the draft is, is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous you're basically, point. you're basically drawing dead in all these big like best ball tournaments. If you didn't draft Alvin Kamara when he was in the third round. Oh my God. I just want to say, luckily I did a ton of drafts early in the season where Kamara was in the third round. I have some teams where I stacked McCaffrey Kamara and like an elite wide receiver one, two. Uh, yeah, I have some, I have some, uh, uh, like Kamara and uh, like Michael Thomas teams out there that I'm really excited about. But, but man, I, I was thinking between Saquon and Kamara, but I really can't say. Kamara's a good one. Like, it's a great one because he's been a top five running back in all four of uh, his top full one numbers. in 2020. Yeah, like, number so he's one. Already, he's finished number one overall already. They right. both done it. Saquon did it too. He only once finished outside the top five. He finished as RB8 because that was the year he was playing through the ankle injury. His production went down a little bit, but he was back mm-hmm. to top five last year. He's just always been good. He's actually the highest scoring fantasy running back of all time on a per-touch basis. He's like the most efficient player we've ever seen. He's one of the best running backs in the world. It's just a ton of passes. He's still been good. Mm-hmm. He looked great in the preseason. Like I don't think there's a drop-off yet. He's, he's someone that his career touches – are so low in comparison to where other guys like him would be at his career. I still think that he's got another year or two of elite. 
production left in him. So definitely this year, I don't think there's any reason to believe he's falling off. So if he doesn't get suspended, you've just gotten yourself a top five running back in the second round, and you should consider yourself very lucky to do that. Yeah, just looking at where he's going now, like he's risen up to 13th overall player. I think that's like an incredible value right there. And like one of the reasons why, to me, drafting at the turn this year is just like, it's the second best spot. Right, it's yeah, the it's, the, it's, a, it's, like, it's, the, it's the second or best spot uh, to be in after. I think it might be the best 101, spot. 102. Cameron in our recent redraft took Kamara and Barkley on that one, two turn. And I think if you're drafting there, any more drafts before the season, do that. <laughs> if you yeah, have- that's it. Right. That's a nice, like, that's a nice little double tap there. I think that there's a case to be made for Diggs and Barkley or Diggs and uh, Alvin Kamara. Well, you could make a well. case for Swift or for any of those guys, but yeah. Yeah. Me, I got to say, it does feel really good to go Kamara Barkley. <laughs> I mean, Kamara and Barkley have never been drafted outside the top five at any point in their career, you know, beyond their, you know, first season in the league. And even Saquon was a top five running back his rookie year. Right. So, how about on the flip side of that? Who is this year's Saquon Barkley looking back to last year as in a first or second round running back? That's going to be a disappointment for fantasy. And he fell on his face mostly because working off the ACL, he's, it looked like he was getting healthy, and then he hurt himself again when he rolled over his ankle. Really frustrating season. I still think he bounces back, but if you're looking at the guy that might be frustrating this year, you know you can't predict injury, so any of these guys could get hurt and then blow your season for you in the first or second round. But I think if there's one guy who, just assuming they stay healthy all year, we're going to look back and be like, oh, why did I take this guy in the first round? It's a no-brainer for me. It's Joe Mixon. He's someone that has been – a low-end RB1 or running back two for most of his career, even if that. I think before that, RB10 was his highest finish before last year, and he did it off of crazy volume and 16 touchdowns last year. And he's in a good enough offense. Maybe he can just repeat that. But I went back just to see if I gave him his career touchdown average, which is under seven a year. So I I bumped it up and gave him seven. So if you took away the th- the 16 touchdowns and gave him his career average, or just a little bit more than his career average, he would have finished closer to the running back 15 last year. I think he can obviously outdo that, but even if he finishes as RB 12 or 13, you're going to be mad that you drafted him in the first round. And I feel like that's where we're heading. You're taking him over Kamara, over Barkley, over Swift, sometimes over Cook and some other guys, even Fournette and a few other names. Uh, I think people are going to regret it this year. Yeah, I think that he's a he's a decent candidate. Um, uh, I think that like the TD argument thing is like his offense just got so much better that he's going to score more touchdowns going forward. I believe. Yeah, but he but, does um, safety of the targets. Like he had what fifty targets last year, but or just under. Yeah, yes, that, right. Like that's my thing with him. Like not so much the touchdowns. He just he just doesn't get as many targets as you would really like to see, uh, especially out of someone that you know like has the ability to do a lot with those targets. Um, yeah. And I, and I would draft Fournette over him. I, yeah. I think that this year he is a fade for me. Yeah. Before that he had basically produced on par with like Josh Jacobs for two years, but then one of them got a great offense and the touchdown just went up. But in terms of targets, overall volume, they were basically similar in terms of efficiency and everything. It's just that Mixon's touchdowns went crazy last year. He's on a much better offense, but now the Raiders offense is good, but there's a major gap between where these two guys are getting drafted. I think Mixon is kind of getting carried 
off of a you know an outlier season last year. Yeah, I, you know, uh, yeah. So my guy uh, going going forward, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, Najee Harris. Um, this mm. is on another good one. On, yeah, this is on the strength. It's it's sort of the same argument that I'm making this year with um, uh, predicting a little bit of a regression from uh, Tom Brady, where you can just pull up Najee Harris's metrics last year and you see that he was first in snap share, first in opportunity share, first in targets, second in carries. You look at his weighted opportunities, which is a metric that for PPR league weights targets uh, to consider how much more valuable than rushes they are and spits out like one opportunity number. He had 50 more weighted opportunities than the next closest running back, Jonathan Taylor, 50 more. That's a huge advantage. It's like two extra games of opportunities. Uh, and despite that, he uh, could only manage a running back six finish in a, a points per game. Um and that's because he posted 0.75 points per opportunity, which is 48th in the NFL. So he more, I think, than any other running back in the NFL last year was absolutely carried by opportunity. And if you see, if you see even like a 10% uh, like regression from that, particularly in uh, the passing game, which I think is very likely. Like I, 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 don't, mm -hmm. I just don't see any way with an upgraded quarterback with drafting a wide receiver in the second round with one more year of development out of their uh, tight end who they drafted in the second round uh, previously with a new role for Chase Claypool as a like, big slot, all of this stuff. I just don't see that they're going to give uh, this inefficient running back like 90 more targets. Um, even if you just take away 10%, I think I did the math and he ended up at like 15.6 points per game or something, which is good, which is like a top, a, top, yeah. a top 12 running back, but he's being drafted as the running back five right now. So um, I, to me, he's the biggest fade in terms of first round reject. Cause like he's, he's going over like Justin Jefferson in the ADP that I just looked at, which is insane. Like he's going over chase. He's going over Kamara. He's going over all these guys that we talked about. Right, like right. I'm taking them like, I would even take like I would even take a like Joe Mixon over him, um, and then on top of all of that, and then on and then on uh, like, and then on uh, uh, top of all of that, he hasn't been practicing any of this offseason. He's been suffering with a uh, Liz Frank sprain, which a Liz mm -hmm. Frank tear is right. what caused uh, like Travis Etienne to miss all of last year. He's going into the season with an injured Liz Frank. Um, I just I don't I don't want to draft injuries in the first round. I don't want to draft players who I think are going to regress in the first round. And I don't want to draft players who, frankly, I'm not confident are good in the first round. I, I'm with you on that. I think he'll – he's got a very safe floor, but I think he'll disappoint based on where you're drafting him. And if you get a running back, you draft at RB7, and they finish as RB13, it's going to feel like they destroyed your season just about. You know, that's that's not going to be good. Yeah, just don't just don't draft him over Justin Jefferson. Yeah, you know I mean, definitely not over Jefferson. <laughs> not. Um, and then I feel like Cameron and I kind of hit like the main two here, more so for Najee. I'm I'm more worried about the injury <clears throat> than you I am. Called Najee too. Um, no, I'm not like I I wouldn't say that Najee's like off of my board compared to the guy who I'm I'm going to say. Um, only because, like, I still do believe that Najee's going to have a considerable amount of, uh, of volume. The volume's going to be um, crazy. Still, I, I think that they're going to they're going to dial it back because they realize that they can't give him like 
Like the Steelers are a team that really like to have one guy year after year yeah. that they that they just turn into fantasy stars by just using them in the goal line and passing all that stuff. And they're also a smart enough organization to know that they can't give that guy 450 touches every single year and expect him not to break down. So right. I do expect a step back to a more reasonable amount. Um, however, I'm anticipating at least a little bit of a step forward on inefficiency because I I don't think that there's any way that a combination of Pickett or Trubisky could be as bad as like super twilight of his career, Ben Big Ben. I mean, Najee was probably running against 12 man boxes and there's only 11 guys on the field, you know, like, so I think <laughs> the, the mascot the, out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think the efficiency kind of has to take a step up because, you know, Similar with the, if you're first, then you're probably going to go down argument. Like he was like dead last in efficiency by a considerable margin. There's almost no way he couldn't go anywhere but up from there. So uh, Najee's not like off my board, but he's a, li- he's a little bit more, I'm a little bit more wary of his situation than the guys going around him. I'll say that. The guy that I'm saying is actually a second rounder um, and it's Nick Chubb. To me, this one is, yeah. this one is just like, that's the other one I thought screaming about. obvious right. answer for me because you're talking about, a range where you're drafting these running backs who are heavily incorporated in the passing game, have a lock on their goal line work for the most part. Most of them are attached to high powered offenses. And then you look at Chubb, you have, you're projected to be Sands to Sean Watson until week 13. So you have a Jacoby Brissett led offense in the meantime. Uh, I do put that into account. I know that I know that he has a great run uh, O-line and that they've had success in the run game the past couple of years. They lost JC Treader. That's a big deal. Like, you know, to lose your to lose your all pro or, you know, pro bowl level center and not really replace him with anyone of note. That should be taken into account. Kareem Hunt clearly is not going anywhere. The dude literally asked for a trade. The Browns are like, <laughs> no, no. So Kareem Hunt's <laughs> still going to be there. So. Chubb is the only one attached to, in my opinion, he's got like, he's, he's got the Holy Trinity. He's on a bad offense, splitting work, and he doesn't catch passes. So, yes. so there's no way that he should be getting taken around guys like Aaron Jones or even Leonard Fournette or DeAndre Swift. These guys who are going in a similar tier because these are guys who are going to like have one, two, or all three of those things. Yeah. Nick Chubb, to me, like when you look at the profile that you just uh, laid out like very well, he looks like a dead zone running back, essentially. Uh, he's just like the king he's like the, of the he's dead like zone the running backs. He's like the Cadillac of dead yes, zone exactly, running backs. Yes, exactly. He's like the yeah. father of all these guys. Because he's but, really good. Because he's really good, yeah. yeah. He's, he's so good, but you said it perfectly. He's someone that I literally just forgot existed because I haven't even considered drafting him anywhere. I don't see yeah. his name on the draft board even. He's going yeah, way he's, too high for me. Right. He's going in the second round. Like, I think I, I don't have my like rankings pulled up right now, but I, I think I have them in like the fourth round, like like mid fourth or something Me too. to the point where I'm never, ever going to draft him. I have him below like Travis Etienne and some other guys that I think could have this thing work. Yeah. Okay. So we only have like 15 minutes left and we got a bunch more. So let's roll through these QBs real quick, but I wanted to talk about some quarterbacks as well. So this year's Tom Brady, basically a veteran quarterback, who can finish in the top three with by, besides not having that perceived top three upside this year. Cause you, you know, if you're thinking about a veteran, maybe just pocket passer quarterback, they will be taking late just like Tom Brady continues to get taken, but his, his passing stats were so absurdly high that 
he could finish top three anyway. So mm-hmm. I think there's an obvious one for this, but I put down Russell Wilson just because I think he is absolutely this year's Brady. I think he could throw for 5,000 yards, 35, 40 touchdowns and get there anyway. You know, he'll run a little bit more than Brady, but at this point in his career, they've really scaled back the amount of times he takes off and scrambles. Did you yeah, guys also the same Wilson? way that I went? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same way I went. I mean, I think it's, I think it's like a, like you said, it's like an obvious one where last year Brady was drafted 68th overall, even compared to that, uh, uh, Russell Wilson is going uh, 10 picks later this year. So he's a QB 11. Like, I think it's guaranteed wow, that he outproduces that. I know. That's yeah. Crazy. If you, right. If you just look at uh, like the years before last year when he was injured, he was 6 3 9 1 9 3 3 8. 11 as a rookie. The last time that he finished QB 11, he was, wow. it was, his, it was his first year in the NFL and he's averaged like top six since then. So uh, I think he can definitely and, and do this. That's on a team where his passing volume is going to go way up this year. You yeah, know, his weapons supposedly. are crazy. Sutton, Judy, Hamler, uh, Williams, and Gordon. You know, Albert O who runs a four-four, whatever, at three hundred pounds. Awesome. <laughs> Just some super bionic athlete. Right. Did you think of someone else, Ian, or did you put Wilson? Uh, I actually went a little bit deeper with this one. Uh, I I I went for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that was the other one I was thinking. About, yeah, I don't know about top three upside. I don't think I'd put him there, but uh, I don't think top six is a stretch. And this is a guy being drafted. He's not being drafted. He's free. In a lot yeah. of leagues, I think he's like the QB 15 uh, on ADPs. So if you're not playing in the Superflex, chances are he didn't get picked up. So uh, if you have a QB injury or if uh, if if something's happening where your quarterback's just not performing, uh, I think Kirk Cousins should be a priority pickup because I do think running this Ram system, a guy who's already shown a proclivity for putting up uh, stats for fantasy, like mm-hmm. like he's been a back end QB one almost every year. So. Uh, I do think that he has top six upside. The other name I thought of was Derek Carr, just because his situation is so preposterously good that like if he finished as QB seven or something, I would not be totally shocked if he threw. Yeah. And that's something else to mention. And and it's, and it's the same with Carr and Wilson. And once again, we've talked about uh, the AFC West all off season, any quarterback, any Mm -hmm. passing game weapon is going to benefit from there being six shootouts on the slate at least i know mm-hmm. i'm so excited all right but how about this year's jalen hurts another one that i think is kind of obvious but a second year quarterback that will finish in the top five despite being drafted outside the top 10 so there's no second qbs second year qbs going inside the top 10 but this was really a category just so i could say trey lance is this year's uh jalen hurts <laughs> because he is like but i think we have to like and we have talked about it but we have to identify that on the it, show because yeah. He will finish if he plays a full 17 games, he's going to finish in the top six, almost definitely with the amount of times he'll run. Yeah. And this, and this, yeah, this was the biggest, the, you know, this one, this one was the biggest chalkiest uh, yeah. that you could possibly go <laughs> with. Like it's like begging you to begging you to pick Trey Lance. That's the one that so I would pick you too. said, well, no, but I do, I do want to mention, I do want to mention uh, Justin Fields. Uh, like an alternative. No, I mean, like Justin Fields is a good one too. I went ahead and went with uh, like Trevor Lawrence. Right, that's the um, other one I thought about. Yeah, yeah, because I believe that his rushes per game could go up. He was already top twelve in the NFL last year at four and a half rushes per game. I think he could step that up this year. He's certainly capable of it if they want to scheme it in there, of going in more of the five or six range where where he's getting like a hundred total rushes, that kind of thing, which puts him in like the elite, uh, like. Uh, rushing quarterback zone where he's basically guaranteed to post a top 12 uh, season 
at that point. And then his weaponry and his surrounding environment coaching from like the top down basically has been massively upgraded. He's dealing with Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and a um, viable NFL coaching staff now. Dude, how great would it be if he literally is like Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, but we just didn't know it at all because of year one? Like that. I mean, I mean, that might be something we're looking for fantasy right now. I mean, like the tools are all still there. Like they didn't just disappear because Mm -hmm. he had like a bad year one. And, you know, I'm not like I've I've uh, paid attention a lot to the Jaguars in uh, the preseason. And when you watch him, like he just looks different than all of these other preseason quarterbacks I was watching, which was a mix to be fair of starters and veterans and backups and all of this kind of thing and rookies. But like, and then I turn on the Jags game and the ball just boom, like it explodes. Like it looks like, I mean, it reminds me of like Justin Herbert's deep ball. Like he he has, he has, I believe like a top five arm in the NFL. It's just a matter of whether or not he can put uh, that year one in the past. I think year three might be the year I'll start targeting for fantasy. I just hope to see improvement. And then, you know, I still think that upside is there down the line, but we'll see. Um, so how about this year's Debo Samuel? So criteria for that is a second or third year wide receiver going into mid to late rounds. Who is going to shock everyone. Basically probably finished top 10, top five. Like Debo was, I think two or three overall last year. For me, there's this two is- names. There's two names that jumped out to me. I put Kadarius Tony because I think he fits that bill so much because he's if he's gonna win, he's Tony. gonna win. Like, he's gonna win like Debo. <laughs> no one saw this one coming. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> but for real, tenth round guy, and it's if he does win, it's gonna be all because he creates after the catch. They're gonna use him in a similar type of role to Debo. But the other guy I was thinking about because Tony is a chalky one for me. Um, maybe a better one is Elijah Moore because he's going in the range Debo Samuel went last year. I think he's got incredible athleticism and speed. He can create himself after the catch. And I could see that type of breakout. And, you know, we all think he might be good, but maybe the ceiling's even higher for Elijah Moore that we don't even know about. So he's becoming like one of my favorite wide receiver targets there in the seventh, eighth round. It just typically so happens that I end up needing to take running backs in that range because I pass on the dead zone guys. So I feel like I don't have enough of Elijah Moore, but I still think there's tremendous upside for him. Go ahead with your guy, Ian. Well, I actually really like this question because I think uh, you can take it in any multitude of directions. It's a little bit less chalky than the last couple. Um, uh, I I went with a guy who's probably – Probably going a little bit higher than Debo was going last year because Debo was kind of I feel like Debo was like the baby thrown out with the bathwater last year. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He went he went a little bit uh, low because of all those injuries and Ayuk was like the first rounder, so it was all this buzz around him and people kind of forgot about Debo. So uh, I actually went with Rashad Bateman here. Oh, okay. Um, uh, you know, six, six ish, seventh ish round pick, you know, maybe one or two rounds higher than Debo's going last year, but a guy that I perceive to have every bit as much upside as Debo, uh, exhibited, uh, a first round wide receiver, um, with a ton of, uh, talent dudes insanely fast. And, you know, Marquis, even though Mark Andrews is the number one option there, no one's questioning that. Marquise Brown still managed to scrounge up a 27%, you know, target share. So there was definitely enough room in that offense for another person, uh, another player to have, you know, to put up big numbers. 
Uh, I think Rashad Bateman is a is a fantastic player. He's an excellent talent, um, and he does have insane upside this year. Stepping into this new cent- uh, centric position with the offense flowing through him. Yeah, yeah. I think that both of those are like really good picks. Both of those are guys that I considered. I actually, uh, I actually did put down two different guys. One of them uh, uh, was Elijah Moore, uh, Dylan. I think that. One way that you can think about this is um, a second or third year guy, like you said, that we've seen high end upside out of uh, that. Yeah, that we think could take a step forward and sustain it over uh, the course of a year. And that's essentially like the Elijah Moore argument. Um, He had a six week stretch midseason last year. He was a top five wide receiver and then he got injured. Um, And uh, I think he's a very, very good player. He was a very, very good prospect for me uh, that smashed uh, in year one, did exactly what you want to see. And now going into year two, which is another point that I want to make about this, sort of like a higher level, like redraft point that you could just apply year in and year out is target year two and year three wideouts. Like it used to be like the the third year breakout. We now know that there are actually more breakouts in the second year, but uh, it's very, very close with the third year. So these year two and year three guys are, you really just want to be smashing them if they were at all any good ever in the NFL because the breakout rates are so high. Um, so another guy that fits the year two or year three criteria. And I was thinking of in terms of, because to me, the most interesting thing about Debo last year is that we just assumed that he was going to be the wide receiver too. He was, he was actually uh, like surprisingly buried in ADP. He was the 36th wide receiver off the board last year. And everyone was on Brandon Ayuk. Everyone was on Brandon Ayuk. Everyone was fading Debo Samuel. Yeah, That's right. how it was shaking out. Right. And this year, that's what we're doing with Jerry Judy. That was, that, the other, a, that was my honorable mention as well. I thought know. Ian was going there, actually. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a he's a he's a he's a third year wide receiver who we've seen flashes out of who is being faded because everybody else wants to jump on uh, like Cortland Sutton. And we're all on Cortland Sutton. Like I, I tend to think that it's going to be Cortland Sutton as well. But everybody felt everyone thought it was Ayuk last year. year. And it's really, I think, I think it's a lesson about like hubris in like some regard. Like, I think that you need to always be aware if you're trying to analyze this game of the, of the extreme level of variance and you need to bake in that you could be wrong. And I think that we're not doing that properly with Judy and that Judy and Sutton should actually be a little bit closer than they are. Probably it would end up bumping, probably it would end up for me bumping Sutton down a little bit. They are like within two or one and a half rounds of each other. They're pretty close, but I know I still, in the back of my mind, as much as I've talked up Sutton, I'm like, dude, what if it's Judy? Like, I think it could still be that's, there's not, right. not a hundred percent to me. It's not, it's not uh, near as bad as it was last year. I'll give you that. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, let's find this year's Brandon Ayuk, <laughs> second year wide receiver that people are expecting to take a significant step forward, but will actually not return value at ADP. And maybe you could say this year's Chase Claypool as well. There was a number of second-year guys that they get right. drafted higher than they performed in their rookie year just because people are like, well, there's so much upside for this guy, a second-year player. He could have that breakout. So you take him a little higher than they maybe should. So I actually went with Ian's guy for the last category, Rashad Bateman. I don't know what it is. Hmm. I can't I can't bring myself to be in on Rashad it's Bateman. I, I know he's he's had – He's got such opportunity there with Marquise Brown out. You know, he'll be the number two after Andrews, but there's still a lot of a lot of potential, um, you know, target share to go his way. He could be a real alpha wide receiver. 
I'm I'm just not 100% sold on the talent. I don't know. I, I think he's a good Ooh. wide receiver. I don't think he's going to be an elite wide receiver. We need to have so a conversation. I think, I think he he'll needs a little bit more. Um, he needs more back jukes. He needs yeah. more back jukes. But no, I think he's. I think he will probably return value there, but I don't see an upside case for Rashad Bateman this year, actually. And looking back to last year, his yards per route run were really low. Actually, he was like 70th in the league. Um, he didn't really perform. He, he showed some glimpses. He had a couple good games, but I don't know. I don't see the upside with him, honestly. You don't see an upside case with Rashad Bateman? I think he'll be disappointing yeah, in the sixth round, yeah. I, I can see a I can see a floor argument where you're just worried about the unproven guy, but I feel oh, I like the upside should be. I don't know. I feel like the upside should, upside should be undeniable. Yeah, I think he's a very very good talent. Like I think he's extremely talented, but yeah, this will be a, a controversial one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a conversation for another day. Um, yeah, so we'd like to get into it, but we don't have a ton oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that we're in a new category. Go ahead, Cameron. Do you because <laughs> so, we float in with the same guy? So, so for me, uh, uh, I, like I felt like there was a couple ways that I could go with this, um, and I was sort of waffling back and forth between a couple of guys, and I ultimately settled on the guy that is being drafted a little later, uh, like Amon Ross St. Brown, um, who, like I said, and I've sort of had like this ongoing conversation on the podcast with myself almost, I feel like, like, is Amon Ross St. Brown as good? Like, is it like Jekyll or Hyde here, right? Like, is it, is he, is he like- Schemer talent, schemer right, talent. Right, um, and uh, I think it's just, um, it's just the other guy that I was sort of considering was uh, like Jalen Waddle. And there's not there's not there's not as big enough a spread in ADP for me to go Waddle ultimately, and I and I do believe that Waddle is so much better as a player that I had to err on the side of the fourth round guy who um, is going to be facing more target competition, I think, than Waddle with Swift, Hawk, Chark, and Jamison Williams all coming in, and um, uh, I think presumably like we all think that Waddle is going to be in a better offense, hopefully. Um, uh, so I ultimately had to go with Amon Ross St. Brown, although I, I, it was really, really close to me. I was thinking about St. Brown and, and Waddle too, but with Waddle, I, I think he'll be good enough that I, he probably will disappoint people at ADP actually. Um, I just think if, that there's a, I think that there's a better chance between the two of them that Waddle is just like a like superstar talent and just yeah will produce like, like regardless of what's going on. Yeah. If I'm looking um, at second year's guys, those were the three that, that came to mind. I ultimately settled on Bateman. I think um, I, 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 I like the Amon Ra pick. It's actually very interesting. I think if I had to like sit here and just off the cuff, like project how overdrafted these two are between him and Waddle, uh, because heads up, Waddle is my guy. So yeah. uh, if I had to go just off the cuff, I would say that they're both probably being taken like one or two rounds early compared to the guys going around them. Uh, and so if, if with that being the case, I think Waddle is the one who's being more overdrafted because I value those early rounds more, yeah. more important than, you know, drafting a, a perceived eighth rounder in the sixth round versus a perceived sixth rounder in the fourth round, the opportunity cost that you're giving up in the fourth and fifth round um, is just so much greater in my opinion. So I do think that Waddle is, the, the one that's going to be more regretted in the long term if both of them don't work out. I think that they're both good players. I think that Waddle's a great player, but I think Waddle is a is a league losing type pick this year. Mm. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to sit there and say that especially I was saying that 
before he was nursing a hamstring injury going into this year. You know, as, as so you're talking you about it, I, I actually want to change my pick here to Waddle <laughs> because I would rather take Bateman in the sixth or seventh than Waddle in the fourth. The opportunity cost at that four spot, you're passing up on guys like you're passing up on those guys we were talking about. You're passing up on Sutton. You're passing up on Williams. You're passing up on even maybe Pittman. Like some people are taking him Waddle very high because of that rookie year. So I'm interested in just to do this real quickly because like these are the guys that you'd be passing up on per fantasy pros ADP in terms of Waddle that you could realistically be looking at. You could be looking at a Deontay Johnson or Waddle, DJ Moore or Waddle, Darren Waller or Waddle, DK Metcalf or Waddle, Mike Williams or Waddle, Brees Hall. Um, all of I think them all of those DK. guys. Yeah. And I think I would even go DK over him because I think I would take DK because he doesn't have a hamstring injury right now. Yeah, Cortland Sutton is there as well. Marquise Brown is there. Alan, Alan Robinson. Robinson. Is there. You're passing up on every single one of those guys to pick Waddle, and that is what makes it such a such an overdraft. It's yeah, not always th- just like, oh, how many spots above ADP or below ADP is that player? It's what am I giving up to put this player on my roster? And with Waddle, yeah. we've all agreed that that is like that's the money spot for wide receiver this year. Yeah, giving them I, all up. I think I think I do agree that it's more likely that I would end up actually drafting him in Russ St. Brown than I would Jalen Waddle. Exactly. Uh, but again, I like there's a big part of me I just can't ignore a guy is drafted fifth overall in the NFL draft and then breaks the rookie reception record. Six. Like Jamar, six. Jamar right, right, right. Well, top ten. Like like top ten is the cutoff for me whenever I'm evaluating the top these guys. Five sucks. <laughs> that yeah yeah right the top five like who needs it wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh but anyway like just to say like he has an elite like 99th percentile rookie plus year one profile like right looks- and if you want to take that with you in a dynasty context and project it out like go for it but, right but for this year with this hamstring injury with this Tyree kill taking up 26 percent of the targets <laughs> and all of this stuff this is a league losing pick I'm, yeah, in the fourth round, I, yeah, in the fourth round, I can't, I just can't co-sign on it. Like I, all those I, other guys, I, I'd rather. Have. I think he's so good, Cameron. It is not a talent thing. I watch him every Sunday. You know, right. Like, and also, like, he's and one I do of the biggest to, like, fades for me in the entire draft. Yeah, he's yeah. Not I on think, my board. I think he's in the like fourth Chuck. round, it's yes, yeah, the same way for me in the fourth round. Um, uh, I think also it's important to reiterate here that we're talking about second round wide receivers and we're dinging them. And I think aside from Waddle. Like Amon Ra and uh, Bateman, I think are great draft picks. Like I think that, like once again, like you want you want heavy exposure to year two and year three wide receivers, particularly year two guys because they tend to be cheaper because they've had less time to prove it. So you you want to take these guys generally. I would yeah I'd like to throw that um, just statement out there. I I would much rather take Bateman in the seventh than Waddle in the fourth. Honestly, I I wanted to throw Bateman out there because I don't think he's going to break fantasy like the way some people are taking him for a lead upside that I don't think he has especially that Baltimore I, I think is going to be a bottom three team and in, in passing volume do you think he's well. a better player than Marquise Brown I'm just curious better than Marquise Brown yeah no I wouldn't say that say. no I see them as about even like I don't like think Bateman, he'll be as good as Brown was as Bateman to me had a had a better like a much better uh, prospect profile and then he did he did enough like you have to like prorate it to, to account for the games that he missed but he was actually pretty pretty impressive as a rookie um mm-hmm. uh like for the things that i looked at um 
I think we should, I, we should have that that debate on another show, actually. Definitely. That's yeah, yeah, because there's a lot to go into that. there. Yeah, but we got two more to do and we only have like five minutes. But okay. This one is more of a fun one, but let's find this year's Cordero Patterson. And <laughs> this one 31 year old breakout. This one almost never happens, but there is a guy to me that like actually fits it. There was actually a couple that you could consider. There's one guy that but, yeah, an older veteran running back who's been irrelevant for years, going very late in drafts, that could shock I bet, him. I bet that you and me had the same guy. I, I bet we have the same one. It's Jarek McKinnon. Right? Jarek McKinnon, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. because, dude, because he, Right, he's yeah. also in his 30s, right? He's in his 30s. He's 30. Yeah. He hasn't been relevant in a long – he's almost never been relevant, just like Cordero Patterson was. But yeah, he's going to have some opportunity there. I don't think Isaiah Pacheco – Former is Vikings there. player. Former yeah. Vikings player. Oh, oh. Drafted <laughs> by the Vikings. Yeah. But yeah, it comes down to I don't think Clyde is great. They're gonna need a second running back to get in there. And I don't think Pacheco's the guy. I just don't think he's very good. He had his moment in the sun there, but we saw in the preseason McKinnon was taking all the third down work. So at the very least, he could have a role like Daryl Williams did last year. I don't think he's got top 10 upside like that Patterson hit last year, but top 24 back. I would not be too shocked at the end of the year if we heard that McKinnon could get 60 targets and finish top 25 or so. Yeah. So I'm curious who your other guy was. The only other guy that I could look at was uh, Sony Michelle was that he just like lands with the chargers and he just immediately is this bruiser back that they've been searching for for years. And because of the offense, he scores 10 touchdowns or whatever. I was thinking about Moster cause he's 30, but he's also been good before. So not, yeah. he's been good recently. I took um, Moster. That's a good one too. Yeah. And then uh, one more, just looking at it. Where is this guy? Uh, uh, so Rex Burkhead, I thought too, but he was actually decent down the stretch last year. Burkhead, I mean, yeah, but that would that would definitely fit the criteria, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, he's a uh, thirty plus, but then, well, I want to say he was decent. He actually had one twenty-seven point game that did nothing else. So. I, I think <laughs> one, you could actually throw out there Mike Davis because he might be the number one running back for Baltimore to start the year. Right. I, th- I actually thought you were going to go Amir Abdullah for this one because he's almost 30 years old now too. Um, but you use him for the other category that I think. Right. Yeah. All right. Last one then throw it back to Jalen Waddle finding this year's Jalen Waddle. So specifically a rookie wide receiver, that's going to be a major value and will finish as a top 15 wide receiver. So let's see your uh, Ian. Who do you have for this one? I I think I would. I mean, do you have to ask me, or what? What's the situation with that? <laughs> George Pickens. <laughs> Actually, the responsible answer is Drake London. We're and trying to be do, responsible here. And I do think that Drake London. I do think that Drake London is definitely has a better chance to finish top fifteen. This, I mean, it's always difficult for a rookie to finish top fifteen. So none of them have per se a good chance to finish top fifteen. But if I had to pick between him and Pickens to finish top 15, oh, uh, I do think that Pickens. London has a way better chance to do it. However, um, unfortunately, because of the preseason and all of the hype, the difference in ADP between London and Pickens isn't even that great. It's probably like one and a half or two rounds. Um, if I'm spending up for a rookie that I perceive to have high upside, I'm going to take London at that spot versus Pickens at his new ADP, which is like a ninth rounder. Yeah, for me... I was thinking about Pickens, thinking about London, but I don't know if London has top 15 upside on that offense. I don't, he would have to see a big target share to get it. He could, but it's Traylon Burks for me, um, far and away for me, because I think he's stepping into the opportunity. 
even if it starts out slow, I could see him being, you know, you, you know, kind of slowed into the offense the first couple of weeks and then finishing as a wide receiver one over the past, you know, 10 weeks or so. And, and therefore being a top 15 guy at the end of the year, I think he's got the most upside out of anyone in this rookie class to just come in and dominate right away with his profile, how, how big of a guy he is, how great of an athlete. There's a lot of ways that that team could use him. And I, I don't, a I big think, guy for sure. I think that I, I'm ignoring. That's all. shaming. Fetching will not be tolerated in the flex fantasy podcast. Yeah. So what? He's got a couple extra pounds on him. Yeah. <laughs> More cushion but, for the pushing for Rabel. I remember, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going to need it. it that's what I want to say though, is I think the, the, the Rabel stuff is just all, it's all phony. Like, I think it, they maybe meant something at the time, but I feel like they're probably trying to teach the guy a lesson as a rookie. But when push comes to shove, the dude's going to be out there on the field because they need him. They want to win this year. He's the most talented wide receiver on their team, and they're going to have a large role for him. And there was actually just a report that Sleeper posted, I think, last night, saying that Traylon Burks expected to have a major role in the offense, even despite – all of the you know rumors in the preseason. I just think you have to ignore them and just understand the kind of upside the guy has. Take him in the ninth round. Yeah, I would hope that they have a major role plan for their first round pick. Like, uh, like it's crazy what's happened to Trevon Burks' ADP and redraft and his dynasty value. By the way, just to like and you know just, uh, do a little bit of dynasty uh, pandering here. Like, I think he's 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 something like wide receiver 35 in dynasty right now like oh, dropped man. dropped from wide receiver 15 at his peak and just in just this offseason like this is the definition of a buy low in dynasty like oh yeah like, i i've i've rarely seen a more clear buy low opportunity uh than a than a 20 point drop where you can get a guy like with maybe like he's a guy that was going like 103 104 102 even and now you can now you can shoot like an early second at him and see what happens anyway uh so in redraft now he's 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 going lower than george Pickens straight up in redraft i'm still interested in redraft i would take him yeah in- definitely i mean like now that he's fallen like i think and like we've touched on this a little bit like rookie rookie uh wide receiver uh adp this season is out of control like you look at you look at where they've been going in best ball and high stakes, like it doesn't matter. People, people are really responding to, to the last couple of years of rookie wide receiver uh, uh, production, and essentially making bets that it's going to continue to happen. Um, I'm going to fade that, uh, but like if you look just like across the board, there's there's a general like inflation in terms of rookie uh, like wide receiver ADP. The historical trend is that they still underperform, but um, yeah. But now that, that Burks has fallen so low, huh? Did you also go Burks for this one? I don't think. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Burks is my guy. Burks is my guy here. It was between it was between for me Burks and Sky Moore because there's a chance that Sky Moore could could just emerge as a wide receiver one and like a really um a really uh, favorable spot for me. It was Uh, Burks, Sky Moore, or Pickens actually. Yeah, no, for me it's Burks. Uh, He was um, he still has the highest projected points per game as a. uh, among the rookie uh, like wide receivers for me it's nowhere close to top 15 but you know he he has he has the highest baseline uh like projection he still ended up as the highest uh scoring wide receiver prospect in my model this year london london was in a tier with him but burks but burks was better 
Um, and then all of the secondary stuff that I look for that doesn't go in there, like uh, data against like press coverage and yards after catch and his reception perception stuff and how he does in staple routes in the NFL, you know, hitches, crossers, goes, posts, things like that. Um, all of that checked out as good uh, uh, for Burks as well. So like, I, I don't think that there's a reason to fade him as hard as he's been faded. So is this a function of value for you guys? Or do you guys actually think like, I like on its face value raw, those players that you just talked about have a better chance of top 15 than Drake London. Uh, I think that Burks has a better chance. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that like the the other three sky more on the uh, team he's on the opportunity has, I think Burks just straight up in a back has the best chance to finish top 15, even over London. And then yeah, just, and like the early money in Vegas, I mean, uh, like the initial lines on uh, who was going to lead this year's uh, like rookie wide receiver class in terms of uh, like receiving yards, Burks, Burks was the early favorite and then got bet down quite a bit because of all this offseason narrative stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it's basically just a fade of all the offseason narrative stuff. Like I think that so. he, he has the clearest opportunity. He has the best combination of talent and opportunity and situation right uh of all the rookie uh wide receivers like i think that it's close with more because i believe that he's super talented as well but uh for me it's either burks or more i think also more has more guys ahead of him that he might have to beat out over time whereas burks they're so like barren at the wide receiver position it's just him and a 30 year old post ACL tear, Robert Woods. Oh, we're really. not going to start this conversation. Well, I'm not, we're I'm not starting. It. We're not shaming, <laughs> we're not shaming Robert Woods. And like London, I think is good to be clear. I just think that he's never yeah. going to be better than Kyle Pitts. Like there, there is to me, right. I mean, zero chance. I'll just go ahead and say zero chance. That's exactly that he's, it. Yeah. That, 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 that he's going to be able to be the number one target in an offense that I think is going to be very, very bad. That's it. That's why I think like, 20% target share is probably his ceiling, you know, considering that Pitts will have something higher than 20%. But yeah, with Burks, I just think there's such a good chance that we look back by like week six or seven and we're like, why did we buy all of this, this narrative around him about the t- coaches hating him? There's just no way they're down on this guy. They're just, I think they're just showing him a lot of tough love. And that's the type of guy I think. And well, I think he was fat. I yeah. think that they're mad because he was fat. Yeah basically exactly. like, like hey like why were you fat you're playing but in at the, the NFL. end of the day at the end of the day they need this guy so badly they basically just traded um aj brown for him straight up practically you know they want him to be aj brown so yeah. i think he gets every opportunity and i think he is good um so i hope you guys stayed with us here that was a marathon show we went on that was pretty a doozy long. <laughs> that was a fun one though Something we do every year, do these player comparisons, looking back to the year before. Uh, that'll be a staple of the Flex Fantasy Network. Uh, but give us your picks uh, below for some of these, especially the rookie one, where you fall on Traylon Burks. Um, man, we're going to have a couple more episodes coming out before the season, so make sure to stay tuned if you guys are checking out our channel. We're going to be hooking up with Miles, our DFX, uh, DFS and uh, player props expert. <laughs> He's going to be back on the show uh, to do something for the season preview. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, But until next time, we'll see you guys. See you guys. See you.